I want to tell you about a podcast you should check out. It's called Understood Explains. This season of the show is hosted by teacher and special education expert Juliana Urtube, and it's all about how to navigate individual education plans, also known as IEPs. The latest season of Understood Explains covers topics like how to tell if your child needs an IEP and it busts common myths about special education. As a parent myself of a child who's had an IEP since kindergarten and he's now a 10th grader, I know how confusing, overwhelming, frustrating, sometimes daunting the whole process can be. I checked out an episode of Understood Explains called The Difference Between IEPs and 504 Plans. And what I love about it is how easily Juliana explains everything. She answers common questions that probably every parent or caregiver has. She dispels myths and is concise and to the point. To listen to Understood Explains, search for Understood Explains in your podcast app. That's Understood Explains. And there's a direct link in the show notes if you need it. This is the Your Kick-Ass Life podcast, episode number 68. All links and resources you hear in this podcast can be found by going to yourkickasslife.com forward slash 68. This is the Your Kick-Ass Life podcast with Andrea Owen, a no BS guide to self-help and badassery. Because ladies, let's face it, life's too short for it to not kick ass. And here's your host. The girl who serves it up straight with a side of crazy, Andrea Owen. Hey there, ass kickers. Hope you are so well on this lovely day as you listen to this podcast episode. It's another solo from me. I'm going to tell you a little story about my life and one of the big life lessons that I learned because of this story. And before I get to that, I just wanted to give you a quick kind of catch you up on where I'm at with something really important, important to me and important to your kick-ass life and possibly important to you. I am, some of you may know, I've been working on my second book and, well, let me back up. I've been thinking about working on my second book. It's the very initial stages. It's sort of like the brain dumps and the mind maps and the outlines and things like that. And I'm pretty sure I know what I want to write about. I want to write about the behaviors that I have seen um, my clients and the women in that I work with and the women that, that follow myself and your kick-ass life and a lot of the behaviors that I used to participate in fluently and the behaviors that I still work on coming up with better behaviors. They're the ones I talk about all the time. Perfectionism, control, isolating, people-pleasing, lashing out, blaming, and on and on. There's about 14 of them actually. And I've kind of gone back and forth with my agent and you know they're telling me what's working out there in the book writing self-help world and what's not. So I'm I'm trying to figure this out and you guys, it's kind of becoming not fun anymore. So and if and this will be helpful for anyone that's that's thinking about writing a book or has written a book, maybe you can relate. The first time I did it, I just started writing. I didn't have an agent. I didn't have anything except myself and my computer and my thoughts. And I just started writing and it was so fun and it felt creative and free and amazing. Yay! And then, very exciting, I got um, a book deal and all the things that come along with that. And once I signed that contract, it wasn't as fun anymore. And I, uh, I'm i working on that being different. I want it to be different this time. I made up that it felt like a job. I didn't enjoy having a deadline. And so this time around, I'm going to work on not being – I'm kind of obsessed with 
Elizabeth Gilbert's podcast lately, and she in one of her episodes, she talks about martyrdom and creativity. And I was like, oh my God, that's what I was doing. I was like, ah, it's so hard. Oh, it's just brutal. That's the way I was. And I don't want to do that again. I don't want to be like that. I want it to be um, enjoyable. I don't expect it to be fun and beautiful and free-flowing all of the time, but I just don't want to feel like I'm in prison. Which <laughs> writing some like about um, a third of my last book felt like that. So I don't want that to happen this time. Long story short, I'm kind of feeling, um, and also what's happening this time around is last time I didn't know what to expect. Like I didn't know how what book promotion was going to look like. I didn't know what you know. Like every I had I had no baseline, so everything was brand new. My my last book has sold. Uh, at the time I'm recording this, almost 14,000 copies, which apparently is a lot in self-help world, especially for like a, I'm, I'm an unknown author, um, you know, in the world of self-help authors. So now it's like that whole gremlin of like, well, you got to do better than the last one. And I heard a statistic that said second books don't do as well as the first. So it's like I'm listening to all this barrage of facts and like, oh my gosh. So uh, that's where I'm at right now. And I, I, you know, I don't mean to be like a womp womp Debbie Downer, but it's, it's been a struggle. And what I'm doing right now is figuring out how to get out of that, like how to flip this around and really sink myself into the creativity of it. And what I keep coming back to, what's been really helpful is I have gotten really clear on my intention for this book. And my intention for this book is twofold. First, it needs to be written and it needs to be written for the women that need it. And maybe that's you listening. And my second one is because my second reason is it's that this is the stuff I need to get clear on in my own life. So it's the stuff that I still work on, but I need to selfishly, my first book, <laughs> a lot of that was stuff that I was still working out. And some of those chapters were hard to write because I really had to look at where I needed to grow and stretch in my own life. So it was hugely helpful for me as well as some of you listening. So that's, you know, the two main reasons, like like my two, when someone says like, make sure you're clear on your why. And, and I've gotten very, very clear on that. So I have no doubt the book will be written. I'm not putting any pressure on myself to get it done by a certain time. And thank God my, my agents aren't as well. So that is where that is. And I'm very excited to, to have it come out. Um, and I know a lot of writers say this, like, I don't love writing, but I like, I like having written. And that's kind of how I feel about this. It's, it's very time consuming. And, um, and I just, um, I'm doing the best I can is what I'm trying to say. And with that being said, let's get on with the actual content of the episode. All right. Today I'm talking about the freedom in taking personal responsibility and just taking responsibility for your life. A couple of months ago, I was having a conversation with my dear friend, Kate Anthony, and I don't even at this point remember what we were discussing, but I started telling her about how amazing it felt to finally take responsibility for my life when it happened and continues to do so. So let me back up a little bit. For those of you that don't know, I hit my own quote unquote rock bottom in early 2007. It was February 2007. About a year prior to that, 
my husband had left me for another woman and I immediately got into a new relationship. And this new boyfriend ended up being a drug addict and had faked cancer to cover up his addiction. If you're um, listening to this podcast, if you go to the show notes at yourkickasslife.com forward slash 68, there is a link to read that entire story. I wrote it for exojane.com. Um, I think sometime last year, it's quite a story. It sounds like a Lifetime movie, and it was my life. But um, our breakup was horrible, and I found myself on the floor of my my apartment crying my eyes out and begging the universe to help me. If you're a parent, I invite you to join us at the Mindful Mama podcast, where it's all about becoming a less irritable, more joyful parent. With sometimes hilarious and always thought-provoking experts and friends, at Mindful Mama, we know that you cannot give what you do not have. And when you have calm and peace within, then you can give it to your children. I'm Hunter Clark Fields, and I can't wait to see you there. Listen in to the Mindful Mama podcast. Well, hey there, busy mama. Are you looking for ways to make your life easier, your home less chaotic, and at the same time, add more joy to your life? My name is Deanna Yates, and I'm the host of Wanna Be Clutter Free, a podcast all about letting go of the stuff we don't need in our lives so that we can focus on what truly matters. Don't worry, I'm not going to tell you to throw it all away or make you feel guilty about keeping something you love, no matter how many other people don't quite understand it. But I will give you practical and more importantly, actionable advice so that you can make progress right away. And you won't just hear it from me. There are amazing guests too. It's like having your bestie in your pocket, telling you it's okay to let go of the things that are not serving you and your family in a totally non-judgmental way. So join me over on the podcast where we can work on progress over perfection for those of us that want to be clutter-free. And not to spoil the story, but the universe did show up to help me. However, there was something really important I had to do first. And I don't think that the universe would have shown up to help me had I not done this. The reason I found myself in two back-to-back messed up situations was because I made two very big mistakes in my life thus far. One, I looked to other people to make me happy. I made, I put my happiness, I made it their responsibility. And the second thing was that when it didn't work out, because it never would, when it didn't work out, I blamed them for everything. My addiction to control was so strong, I had unknowingly convinced myself that if only I could make other people change, I would be happy. If they would just do and be what I said, everything would be fine. And throw in some perfectionism and avoiding feeling my feelings. And during the decade of my 20s, I was a serious mess. And that day, when I picked myself up the up off the floor of my apartment, I knew one thing for sure. The only thing that those situations, those two breakups had in common was me. My ex-husband and my ex-boyfriend were not solely responsible for my feelings and my future. And of course, what they did was super lame and they were assholes for a lot of the behaviors that they that they did in our relationships, but I had to take 
total responsibility for myself at that time for once, for the, really for the first time in my life. And I was 30, I was 31 at the time. So I had to look in the mirror and own up to the fact that I had chosen to stay in those relationships when my intuition told me to leave numerous times in both relationships. I had to own up to the fact that I had chosen to stay when my friends and family advised me otherwise. I had chosen to blame them and try to change them. I had chosen that to believe that I could control them and our relationship, thus thinking it would solve my problems, chosen to numb my feelings instead of dealing with what was actually happening and not looking at the reality of the severity of the situations. And yes, it sucked to come to these realizations. I was ashamed of my decisions. I was ashamed of where I had ended up. I knew deep down that I was a smart girl and that I was capable of um, healthy way of living. And I knew, and I know now that I did the best I could with what I had then. And that wasn't a whole lot. I didn't have a whole lot of coping skills. Um, I didn't have a lot of tools to manage life with a capital L. I didn't know how to act and behave maturely around emotions, my emotions and anyone else's emotions. But deep down, I knew I was destined for greatness. And the biggest realization I had was that I was the only one, I was the only one who could control how I felt about myself. I'm going to repeat that. I was the only one who could control how I felt about myself. And oh my God, the freedom. That is what freedom felt like to me. Finally realizing that. And coming to that realization was both freeing and so scary. And it was scary because I knew I had to start to learn to like myself. I didn't at that time. I, again, like I said before, I didn't like where I was. I didn't like the choices that I had made. Um, I knew that where I was was not where I belonged. So I also had to work on forgiving myself. And that is something that's been ongoing through the years because, um, and it's gotten a lot better, but I spent a long time really beating myself up for, um, making bad decisions when my intuition was telling me to do, to go one way and I didn't. And so that, there was a lot of self-forgiveness involved in that. I had to work on looking at the reality of my situation and start to slowly pick up the pieces because it's much easier to hide and pretend it's all fine. And I know a lot of us do that, myself included. And and really, you know, I want to go back and emphasize when I said to start to pick up, to slowly pick up the pieces. And I don't know about any of you, but I was in the place that I was at and I knew that I was destined for something better. And I would look at other people in their lives and people that had their shit together or I made up that they had their shit together. And I knew that that's where I could end up. And I wanted it all right now. Um, You know, circumstances. I wanted the house and the kids and the great job and the career and all of those things. And um, it was 
it was a, a huge lesson in patience and surrender to do the work consistently and practice a new way of being and um, be really uncomfortable and stretch and, and do all these new things that I wasn't um, I wasn't comfortable in and to really just have the patience around that. And I'm not, I wanted to also say that, again, the freedom did not come overnight. It's been a long process that has trickled in over time, but I can promise you, if you do the work, the magic of freedom will come. If you own up to what you're tolerating, how you've been behaving in your relationships, and how you feel about yourself, you then have the power to actually change it. Okay, and that's all I got for you today. Thank you so much for being here and listening to these words. Again, if you are interested in sharing this episode, I would love for you to do that. Yourkickasslife.com forward slash 68. It's pretty easy to do. And also, if you could go and leave a rating and review on iTunes or Stitcher, that helps me so, so, so much. So I can keep doing this and know you guys are there. And uh, that's it. That's all I got for you. And I will see you out in cyberspace. Bye-bye, everybody. Are you overwhelmed by the things that get in the way of you doing what you want to do? Are you looking for ways to simplify life to better align with your values? Do you want to create space in your schedule so you have room for more of the good stuff? Play, joy, relationships, gratitude, and more? If you answered yes to any of these questions, I invite you to check out Edit Your Life, a podcast to help you edit the unnecessary from your life so you have more room to enjoy the awesome. Through episodes with me, Christine Coe, and a range of super smart, compassionate, and thoughtful guests, you'll come away with big picture insights and practical ways to declutter your home, schedule, and mental space without getting bogged down by perfection. I have always believed that small moments and actions matter tremendously. My goal is to help you find agency and space in your life through doable baby steps that will leave you feeling accomplished instead of overwhelmed. Check out Edit Your Life wherever you enjoy your podcasts.